Good day to you, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Film Focus, episode 107, the double review for Borat 2 and The Trial of the Chicago 7. Episode Film Focus. I am your host, the Hypersonic 55, and I'm glad that you decided to join me once again for some film related discussion. And we're back again with a double film review. I don't think I've ever done a double film review back to back before, but here we are once again. Like I said at the top of the episode, we're going to be talking about Borat 2 and the trial of the Chicago 7. Now, initially, I'd had at least another two episodes that I wanted to do in between the time that I did my last double review for The New Mutants and Mulan. But because of scheduling conflicts and, you know, just some other random palaver that always seems to happen whenever I do this podcast, things had to change, things had to move around. But luckily, these two films showed up within the last week. So I'm just like, you know what? Screw it. This helps. This will, you know, help as a good buffer between episodes. So, yeah, I've got these two films. One I actually planned to see and has been on my watch list for at least, I think, almost a year now. And the other one sort of just crept up out of nowhere, but I was like, you know what, screw it, I'm kind of curious to see what's happening. So as per usual, um, we'll talk about the story characters, presentation, and then the overall conclusion. I'll be starting with Borat 2 first, and then be talking about the trial of the Chicago 7 later. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's jump in. Alright, so first up, we're going to be talking about Borat 2, but before we get into that, we're going to get into like some of the history behind me and this character now when Borat number one showed up in 2006 he sort of set the world on fire now I was already familiar with Sasha Baron Cohen from his time as Ali G on his TV show and then in the movie that he had not too long after that and I thought he was pretty funny he was a pretty humorous guy very strange silly but you know kind of cool and he just had this sort of style and charisma about him that was both entertaining but also like uh you know he just kind of wanted to see what he'd do next i found him quite funny and while some of the stuff he did could be seen as problematic i think most people you know found him humorous and never took him too seriously because he wasn't someone you could take seriously at all um but then when Cohen ended up bringing this Borat character to life. He literally blew up for at least a good, I'd say, two years at max. He was everywhere. When Borat came out, he was like this global phenomenon. He was this crazy, inappropriate man running around America doing all sorts of crazy stuff in this documentary style film he was making. It was strange and exciting and cringy. And all sorts of funny. At least that's what I heard. Because I never saw it at the time. I saw the trailers and I thought. Yeah you know. I guess this could be humorous for someone. But it just wasn't for me. But clearly Borat took off. Everybody knew about Borat. Even if you'd never seen the films. There was loads of people running around. Quoting him. There was merch all over the place. And for a time it was funny. Some of the stuff that he said. I found pretty humorous. But like any good joke. 
it gets run into the ground and then gets old really fast and then you just want everybody that's still going on about it to shut up so yeah there were certain points after a while where people were still quoting him you know saying you know very nice my wife blah 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 so on and so forth we're just like oh come on man the time has passed you need you need to move on with your life but anyway I didn't get around to watching Borat until very, very recently, just because, again, I felt no need to watch this film. But with the sequel announced literally, like, you know, only a few months ago, I was like, oh, okay, well, you know what? That curious side of me has gotten out in the wilderness again, and he wants to know what this whole film is about. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm curious. Um, I didn't watch any of the trailers. I was literally just in just because I wanted to see what Cohen was going to bring to this character that he didn't already do back in 2006. So I watched the first film. I thought it was all right. There were certain moments that I found humorous, but overall, I think I would have enjoyed it if I was in my early teens. It just seems to have a lot more of that sort of uh, humor that I'm not overly into. But yeah, man, after watching the second one, I have thoughts to share. So we're going to do that right now. Alright, so the plot of this film can be summed up as the following. Due to the film that he made back in 2006, Borat has humiliated Kazakhstan, and in turn, the country turns on him. They no longer love him, they hate him. Borat loses a whole lot of his stuff and then gets imprisoned. However, 14 years later, the premier of the country allows him to come out. If he gets this one thing to America, then his crimes will be forgiven. So Borat is sent to America once again, to go about and complete his mission. However, he is not on his own this time, as he happens to have a daughter who tags along for the journey. So what we have now is a new kind of journey which features hilarity, madness, and discovery. And that is a way for me to summarize the film without going into the area of spoilers. Now, the story for Borat 2 surprised me. It ended up being a good time. Now, I didn't love it by any means, but it wasn't as unpleasant as I expected it to be. And it had some moments which I found funnier than the prequel, surprisingly. Now, it's always difficult for a sequel to be as good, if not better, than the predecessor, especially in the comedy genre, because, one, you want to re-experience the elements that made you laugh the first time, but not retread old ground. And two, you want to experience new laughs and scenarios, but don't want to stray too far from the formula that it came before. It's a tough balancing act to follow. However, I feel like Borat 2 struck the right balance between being familiar and new. Now, I am notoriously fickle when it comes to comedy films. Most of you who listen to this podcast on the regular will be aware of that. And I've only ever seen a handful of comedy-specific films that have ever made me laugh out loud. And while Borat 2 definitely didn't make me laugh out loud, I definitely found myself laughing a little bit more in this film than the last one. Now, when it comes to the familiar elements, this film is still as dumb, ridiculous, shocking, offensive, and as cringy as it was before. Perhaps even more so in the last film, with certain scenarios playing out that left me awkwardly laughing, looking away from the film, or just shouting and talking at the screen at the madness I was witnessing. There's just certain things where I'm just like, no, ah, you know, you, you know, those sort of general emotions that you just have to verbalize because some of the stuff going on in this movie is just why <laughs> but it's done in a way where it's still just like still pretty entertaining because you just want to know what happens next and as for the new aspects of the film you get to focus on america and what's changed since 2006 when it comes to the focus on culture politics technology and obviously the covid pandemic which we are all still experiencing right now it feels topical 
and it's insightful and it's quite funny at the same time. It's just really well handled, I'd say. And then, of course, we have Borat's daughter, who happens to be more significant to the plot than I expected. And while I could tell where they were going with the character as soon as I saw how she was, like, you know, handling certain things in America, I still found her pretty fun and compelling, and I enjoyed how her story played out. And yeah, this film overall just happens to have a little bit more depth and a little bit more, I guess, heart than the previous one, which is surprising. And while this film definitely loses a little bit of that original spark that came with the first film, I feel like it does just enough to be like satisfactory. I would put this film on par with the previous one, but I would say I enjoyed it just a little bit more because of some of the extra stuff that they did with the story. Alright, and now there's the cast. And obviously we have to start with Sasha Baron Cohen as Borat. He still has it. Even though it's been 14 years since we saw the character last, he still has that same energy, chaotic nature, and all sorts of madness that made the character so much fun back in 2006. Obviously, if you're looking at him closely, you can see that Cohen has aged a good deal, but he still has that energy. He's still fun. He's still stupid, ridiculous, and gets into all these sort of weird costumes and situations where you're just like, how can you do this with a straight face and it was cool to see like a little growth from the character because while Borat seems to go through the same motions as the last film he does have a few situations and scenarios which allows him to change things up in a way which I feel was was satisfactory for me at least anyway and then you have Maria Bakalova as Tutor, Borat's daughter now, like I said before, I didn't expect her to have as much of a significant role in the film as she did, but she ended up being a pretty compelling character, and I loved the screen time she had, not only with uh, Cohen as they bounced off of each other really well, but also on her own. Her interaction with some of these other people were great, and she has really good comedic timing. Some of the stuff that she comes out with is just as bad as Borat, and the way she handles the physical comedy and some of the timing of her like jokes and stuff it's great she's really good i found her character really fun and yeah like i said before like the uh comedic like timing between cohen and bakalova was great and there was a number of appearances from like you know innocent bystanders certain celebrities and they were handled so well Again, I wouldn't know what to do in that kind of situation if Borat came up to me. I know he'd find a way to humiliate me, but good lord, I, it was great. The cast did a really good job. When it comes to the presentation, there isn't much to say about it visually. I mean, obviously, with this being a documentary-style film, you have that sort of unpolished kind of camera work, so a lot of stuff is handheld, you're moving all over the place. Things aren't framed as fancy as they would be with, like, you know, obviously a standard Hollywood film. However... You can tell that there is a little bit more fanciness in the production than before and obviously because we've moved into an age where there is high definition cameras and all that sort of stuff, the clarity of all of these scenes is a heck of a lot better than it was beforehand. But yeah, the film looked nice, it was handled pretty well and I also liked the film score from Aaron Baron Cohen, it was pretty decent. And then there was obviously the music. Like the previous film, there is these sort of crazy covers of noteworthy songs. 
And this film happens to have some pretty good ones. One that's used in the credits as well is also pretty kick-ass, but I won't spoil them. I'd say just watch the film and see which ones you like, but some of those covers were pretty good. So in the end, I enjoyed Borat too. While it didn't blow me away, I found it way more entertaining than I expected and that's all I could ask for. Now, if you weren't a fan of the first Borat, I don't think you'll like this one at all. However, I know that there are a number of people that love the hell out of Borat, much like the first film in most comedy films, whether you're talking about Anchorman or The Hangover or Dumb and Dumber. Most times when you release a sequel, they just don't hold up because, you know, there's been a certain amount of time between sequels, but also those films came out, they were the first of their kind, and it's kind of hard to replicate that magic the second time round. For me, I know I'll probably be on that secret island where I actually like this new film more so than the last one. But that's only because, like, you know, the first one didn't really, like, resonate with me. And I think I watched it in a different time. I don't think I was the target audience for it. But anyway, I would say give this one a watch. I had a good time with it. And as someone who didn't, like, you know, love the first Borat film, that's saying a lot. Alright, and now we're moving on to the second film I'm going to be talking about today, which is The Trial of the Chicago 7. Now, this is a film I wasn't aware of until around early January this year, where I did my Films to Look Out For in 2020 blog series, which is like a three-part series where I, you know, just highlight films that I'm interested in for that year, essentially. And this one happened to come up. I found it while looking through certain films that would be showing up in 2020, and I was just like, ooh, the premise grabbed me. But then it was the cast. And then just to add to this little triforce of interest, we had Aaron Sorkin as the writer and director. And I'm like, I'm sold. I'm in. I'm super in. I've already found your written material interesting. But the fact that he has such a strong directorial debut was just stupidly impressive to me. He'd done really great work with Jessica Chastain. And the dialogue in that film was incredible. Definitely one of my favorite films of that year. So when I heard that he was involved with this film, I'm like, okay, I'm sold, I'm in. So I ended up seeing it today, and now I'm going to tell you what I think of it. Alright, so the plot for this film can be summed up as the following. This story happens to follow seven people on trial, stemming from various charges surrounding the uprising at the 1968 Democratic National Convention in Chicago, Illinois. And that is basically the way for me to summarize this film without going into the area of spoilers. I'm just going to say this straight up. The Trial of Chicago 7 was a very well-executed film with a captivating story, great dialogue and themes and issues that echo what's been happening in the world this year, essentially. I enjoyed how this film was crafted with a clear story from front to back, but also having non-linear elements thrown in there as well. I also liked how the defenders were introduced and then, through flashbacks, fill in the blanks as to how they got there. Courtroom drama, when handled correctly, can be some of the most compelling and captivating material you could ever watch. And this film executes that aspect of the story perfectly. The court material is filled to the brim with intrigue, suspense, uncertainty, and verbal interactions that can be calm and or calculated or humorous and or aggressive. The tension in the court scenes is suitably high and only rises when new pieces of information come to light and the emotional testimonies from the defenders come about. Now, it's hard not to get riled up about the events of this film. We're told from a young age to believe in law enforcement and the judicial system, and yet time and time again we see it fail the people are supposed to work for. There are those who wish to fight for justice, some peacefully, some not so much. But it's hard to fight injustice when the system's been designed for you to fail from the outset. Now, I'm not the smartest guy. I'll always make that apparent. And there are certain aspects of law and government that I don't think I'll ever properly understand. However, 
I know injustice when I see it. At several key points in this film, you see how the defendants try to play by the rules or at least fight for their rights within like, you know, a reasonable manner. However, you can see in subtle or not so subtle ways that the system is rigged. And considering the riots and police brutality that's been happening this year, I couldn't help but flare up during several points of this film because I'm just like, there's certain points where people are shouting angrily, trying to like, you know, be heard, but they're constantly being silenced either by a gavel or something else and good lord man i had like my heart pumping the entire time this film was going down it's a very emotionally charged film and it's hard not to be like you know caught up in all the drama of it and just feeling it like you know welling up inside of you that being said the film isn't entirely serious all the time there were moments of levity inserted at just the right moments a lot of these lines were really funny and it had that trademark aaron sorkin wit about it when it comes to the cast they were great everybody in this film brought their a-game and while there were definitely certain people that stand out more so than others everybody you can see is acting their heart out and putting in 100 percent and there's so many people to mention i won't go through them all but i will talk about the people that stood out to me firstly there's sasha baron cohen as abby hoffman sasha baron cohen he's obviously been known for a while for his comedic material however every time he shows up in a dramatic role he brings his a-game and i think a lot of people forget that this guy when given the right material can be bloody spectacular and in this film he had this really good balance of being serious but also humorous as well and then there's eddie redmayne as tom hayden eddie redmayne has proven for a while that he was a quality actor and while sometimes he can be in material where his acting isn't the best again much like Cohen before him, when given the right material, the guy can, like, you know, fly. And Eddie Redmayne was really, really good in this film. I also really liked Alex Sharp and Jeremy Strong as Rennie Davis and Jerry Rubin. And in particular, Jeremy Strong, I quite liked him. He's an actor that I always seem to find around, and I never know his name, but I've always seen him in different projects, and he always brings his A-game, and I thought he was pretty good in this film as well. Then you also have Yahya Abdul-Mateen as Bobby Seal. I remember Mateen from Aquaman, so it's also good to see him in another like you know notable role. He was really good in this film. Very emotional, very aggressive. Great performance from him. I also love Mark Rylance as William Kunstler. Kunstler? Man, I can't say that last name correctly. Apologies, but yeah, Mark Rylance. He's just another one of those really impressive actors who whenever he shows up in a film, he is suitably impressive. And he does some really great material, not only, his own, not only on his own, but with um, some of the other cast members as well. He was fantastic. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt as uh, Richard Schultz, he was great. This is the first major film I've seen um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt in for a while now. But he was great, really well composed calm yet like uh, emotional in his role as well i've really found him great and then there's frank langella as judge julius hoffman good gravy he was intense that would probably be the best word for me to describe his performance very intense frank langella is one of those guys who again when given the right material can be bloody impressive and this is probably the most notable role i've seen him in for a while that literally just left me you know completely engaged 
As for the presentation, I thought visually the film was pretty good. I like the camera work in this film, the way in which certain scenes were framed. It made everything feel focused, intimate, especially during the courtroom scenes. And it was also impressive how this film was able to intersplice archive footage along with the current footage that they had that was happening in the film at the same time. And then there was the film score by Daniel Pemberton. He's not a name that I'm super familiar with, but I thought his score for this film was pretty solid. It had the right amount of emotional weight to some of the more dramatic aspects of this film. But yeah, I would say it was good. Nothing too crazy, but still pretty enjoyable overall. Alright, so to conclude, I thought The Trials of Chicago 7 was a pretty damn good film. Definitely one of my favourites of this year. I know 2020 in general has been a bit slim pickings for um, movies in general, but I would definitely say even had I been in the cinema on you know my standard binge, this would definitely be up there in the top 10. Really emotional, dramatic, great story, great performances from everybody involved. It looked good, it sounded great, and yeah, I just want to see more of a Marin Sorkin because guys just really good at what he does all right and that will do it for another episode of film focus man i want to know what did you guys think of borat 2 and the trial of chicago 7 did you see either or, or both and what do you think of them let me know in the comment section below or holler at me on twitter where i'm at hypersonic 55 or at film focus 55 you can obviously check out the podcast on soundcloud itunes we've recently become attached to that spotify and we're on amazon music as well so we're all over the place we're spreading around um check us out give me some good ratings subscribe to the podcast and yeah man i've still got plenty of material hopefully i'll just be able to get it a lot sooner october has been a deceptively busy month for me so i just needed a little bit more time just to get things sorted once october is over and we move into november I'm pretty sure my schedule will like balance it out so I'll have more stuff hopefully more regularly. So yeah, with that being said, I'm going to disappear back into the ether. Thank you for listening and until the next time, this is the Hypersonic 55 signing out. Peace. Thank mm-hmm. you.